XY Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. It's great to see everyone back this morning. We weren't sure how many we would get to speak to this morning, so thank you. I do want to say congratulations to many of the award winners from last night. And a number of you probably got sore throats, been seeing a lot of video footage of a camera going around all of you to celebrate, but I do want to call out a couple of last night's winners. I think the Courage Award is always the most prestigious award there, to, um, so I think to Ken Siebert and the CMTA team, a huge congratulations. I also want to acknowledge the top five hot firm award winners from last night. That was UES, ANSA... IPS, Ardura, and Salas O'Brien. Now, what's one thing that all of those companies I just mentioned have in common? Anyone have an idea? They've all got private equity-backed support as firms. Right? So that's the top five of the hot firms of this year all have private equity-backed support. We heard yesterday from Chad, one of the most compelling statistics that I heard yesterday was the retention rate of staff. Involuntary turnover drops from the low teens to just 3% for the fastest growing firms in this industry. So firms that have grown on average over the past three years 20%, their involuntary turnover rate is just 3%. Now, if you're all looking out there to grow right now, the biggest challenge we have is attracting talent. Combine that, if you're losing 12 to 15% of your staff a year and you want to grow at 5 to 6%, that's an enormous number of staff. So if you can reduce that lost turnover rate down to 3% by being a fast-growing firm, wouldn't you want to do that? So what I want to talk today is a bit about the industry, its growth, the role of M&A, and the increasing role of private equity in making that growth happen. So just some stats. 
And Zweig White have many stats. Jamie Clare and team have lots of stats on the M&A industry. I just want to call out a few key highlights. 2022 is on track to be another record year in M&A transactions. We're tracking at the moment 472 transactions in the past 12 months. That's up 21% on the prior year. That's a significant up on a record prior year. There's a significant amount of that M&A activity happening in the top 500 on the, on the ENR list. But what's interesting to note is that historically, public listed firms made up a big portion of M&A activity, something like 25%. That has dropped to a record low of just 6%. More than filling that void has been the role of private equity. Private equity, by our count, now accounts for something like 30% of M&A-backed transactions in this space in the last 12 months, a significant increase in the past five years. Why is this happening? In our view, it's happening for a few reasons. One, we've got good, strong industry tailwinds. Money chases money. Let's be real about that. The tailwinds of this industry are quite strong. We've got uncertainty with inflation, risks of recession, but our industry is a little bit more unique than most with the, the tailwinds of underinvestment in the past, backed by a great infrastructure plan, where some of that money is being eaten up by inflation to date. The next reason it's happening is growth is a competitive advantage. If you can provide opportunities in your firms to grow the careers of your staff faster than your peers, you'll keep them and you'll attract great talent to the firm. Next reason that we see is why why the increasing rate of M&A transaction is the ownership base. All of you can look at most owners of the businesses. They're not getting any younger. I remember coming into this industry and coming to these events about 25 years ago, and I'm 51 on Monday. So 25 years ago, I was a bit, bit greener, darker hair, and I used to look at everyone going, geez, they're old, right? And now I'm, I'm becoming one of those guys. And you look at the ownership of most of the M&A industry, they're getting to the point where they've got to really think about their transition of what is their largest asset, personal asset they have in a company. And let's face it, many owners are feeling a little bit burnt out. Getting through the pandemic as an owner, concerned about your staff, keeping them employed, keeping your company going, it's draining, right? Then you've got the biggest issue of all, and that's the challenge of internal ownership transition. Biggest challenge in that, most companies want to and aspire to transitioning ownership internally. You've all heard the conferences, the events. If you're not starting that today, you're not going to ever get that done. That option will disappear quickly because I don't know how many of you have found, but we find even the same challenge. We want our company to have a high portion of employee owners. But how many of that Y and Z generation are prepared to put their hand in their pocket and pay for those shares. It is a challenge in our industry. It's a challenge not just for our industry but for many industries of how to do that internal transition and get that at an appropriate value. 
So we talk about what are the options available to you all for transition. And then I'll get to what is private equity's role in supporting such a transition. Now I've got the benefit and the scars of going through some of these. I've gone through uh, with a firm with Cardnote, taking that from employee-owned and thinking going public was the right way. So we listed Cardnote back in 2000, May 2004 on the Australian Stock Exchange. I've left Cardnote and worked with firms like New Mountain Capital to look at TRC companies to take them private, with Crescent Capital to take Cardnote semi-private and to support other firms in such transactions. I went back into a public listed firm, a big one. I call it the dark side. Um, and you know, I learned a lot from working with AECOM, but also just realized our industry is not destined to be listed on a stock exchange. There's such a disconnect with what a CEO has to do to make the market happy with quarterly reporting, and most importantly, keeping your most important assets happy, which is your staff, about sort of saying, hey, we can get through a quarter challenge and without having to make silly adjustments to resourcing just to please a unsympathetic and a short-term view of shockholders on the public market. So when I look at the different models that are available, you've got many. As I said, internal transition, a sale between two private firms or a merger of equals between you. I've mentioned public, but then you've got private equity. Now, private equity, as, a, as an industry, it's not new. It's been around a long time. It's also not new to this industry, but its pace and its involvement in this industry has accelerated tremendously the last three to five years. So a little exercise, right? So we're going to elevate and stretch. I'm wanting you to all put a, your hand up if you or your CEO has been contacted by a private equity firm or a private equity-backed firm in the last 12 months. Yeah, pretty large number. Please keep your hands up. Of those that have been contacted, who in this, industry, in this room is actually owned by a private equity firm or a backer? We've got a smaller number. And how many of you were owned by a private equity firm three years ago? So we've got two or three left, right? So that just shows the sort of pace that's changes. Many more people being contacted, quite a number of you that are practically back today, and very few of you that were backed three years ago, just to show you the sort of change that's happening in this sector. Well, there's two types of private equity, right? There's private equity that come into your firm as your partner, and they're really wanting to support you, right, to grow the business. But they typically only support you to grow organically, right, and to improve your margins. This is a private equity-backed business. They're coming in with finance. They're not coming in necessarily with any industry experience to support you. The second type is what I call a private equity-backed platform, where they back a business and a management team to say how they can support them to actually do a number of other add-on acquisitions to grow that broader platform. Now, there's a number of private equity firms in this industry right now. We, our, our research says there's about 80 private equity-backed firms in the industry. In the past 12 months alone, there's been 140 
M&A transactions in our industry in North America where a private equity firm or their partner, right, they're backing a company like Trillin, has acquired a firm. Of, that's about 30%, right? Then if you sort of break down that, of that 140, 84 of those are add-ons to an existing private equity-backed company, right? So the, 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 the majority of private equity are actually add-ons to existing firms. There's, of that mix, there's, there's 27 what I would call more regular acquirers of firms in this industry, and the most active are Adura at 10, Alliance Technical Group at 8, Trillin ourselves at 7, DCCM at 6, Entrust at 5, HFW who's here today at 5, UES at 4, and TRC at four add-ons to their businesses just in the last 12 months. Give you an idea of the sort of firms that are more active in the space and some that may have been contacting you now or at other times. Now what do value does private equity provide? What's interesting is what we're talking to you today about is how can private equity help you grow your business? So what you need to do, if you're gonna consider private equity as a partner, to grow your business at 20% or more a year, to get your staff turnover or involuntary turnover down to 3%, which would be a goal for all of us, you've got to sort of think through what's the right partner for you? What are the questions that you should be asking before you consider what is the right partner? You've got to work out what is your non-negotiables in, in, in thinking about a partner with private equity. And they can be things like, one, how much time are they going to hold an investment in your business? Are they investing out of a fund? What's the life of that fund? What's going to be the pressure on me to go and find another partner in how short a time? So that length of hold is very important for you to understand from any partner. The next is, is what is the availability of capital to support you to grow? How much are they earmarking for your business? And what can you use that for? Is it just to do M&A? If it is, there's plenty of money out there. Or are they bringing something else to the table? Are they bringing talent and understanding of the industry? Are they bringing investment dollars to help you hire staff now before you actually win that next job? So investing in talent ahead of the curve. How are you going to use are they invest, how support you to invest in technology and innovation? That is not capital investment. That's OPEX investment in your business. Challenge a private equity, who will do that? Not just give you money for M&A, that's easy. What else are they gonna to bring to the table? Last thing you wanna think through is what are, they re, what are the recapitalization options? When they're gonna recapitalize, are they gonna flip you and sell you to a competitor, to a public listed firm? They're the things you wanna work through. Then you've got the little things that you wanna talk through. You know, what is it about, what's gonna to happen to you and your team? What's gonna to happen to your brand, right? What's gonna to happen to your culture? They're the things that you really want to have strong discussions with any private equity about and sort of work out what is the right fit for you. For me, I had to go through the same process. You know, I'm here, I'm with Trillin, I'm private equity backed. But I can tell you, I didn't just sort of come across Alpine as my partner. I sat there and spoke with seven firms in detail how would they back me? How would they support me? How would they allow me to invest in talent? 
And the great thing that I can say here today is that we've agreed key things. Like we always want our business to be at least one-third owned by employees. Right? It's really important to us to have ownership in the business. We sat there and said, OK, how are we going to grow the business? We're going to grow it by investing in talent. We're going to grow it by investing in technology. And we agreed with our board just two weeks ago to spend $13 million in the next 12 months on talent, on systems, on technology, to be more integrated at the back office so that people can work together, share knowledge and experience, and actually hire people to help us grow the business grow the business that we want to be tomorrow, but have the talent, hire them today to make that happen. You can't do that as a public firm, and most private firms can't do that either. The last thing we said is we want a partner who can back us with capital, and we got up to 450 million in capital to access from Alpine and about the same amount in debt. That's a pretty amount of money, pretty good amount of money, right? But it needed to be to hit our goal and strategy and vision but more importantly, we had access to a team. A team that helped us achieve a pretty phenomenal growth in the business. So what is Trillin about? There's always got to be a bit of a sales pitch. This is it. It's not going to take long. Uh, but Trillin, right? Trillin, Trilon, who cares? It's a, it's a holding company brand. So Trillin is effectively just a holding company. And our strategy is to invest in what we call cornerstone partners. Partners that are going to be responsible for helping us grow in our core markets. We're looking for a partner to be our leader and grow the business in transportation. A partner to lead our water and wastewater expansion. A partner to lead our energy and environment. So they're the markets that we're looking to play in. And those partners all come in as their own brands in the leadership team. We're going to invest in their teams to grow and lead a much larger business. We want each of our platforms to be a top 10 player in this industry. And because we're not going to be in certain markets, we're not in oil and gas, we're not in mining, we're not in high-rise residential towers, we needed to sort of say, if we're not in those markets, if our goal is to be a top 20 firm in this industry, is we've got to be at least 700 million in revenue, we need to be a top 10 in these other core markets. The next area of focus for us is how are we going to make this happen? We have to invest in talent, what we call the three Ts, talent, technology and targeted M&A. And you'll hear from one of our partners shortly about the efforts we've been doing in that regard. We are walking the talk. We are hiring internal recruiters across all our businesses. We're investing in their talent so they can lift up and manage a larger portfolio. We've built our own in-house M&A team. And we are investing in technology to be more integrated at the back end than any others. The one uniqueness about our model is we're not changing brands. We are a family of companies, and everyone in my company would know that our vision, and what keeps me awake at night, is that we have to be a functional family of companies, not a dysfunctional family. You all know those types, right? And in, in, our, in our view, what is a functional family? It's a, it's a group of companies that don't compete. So we only invest in companies that operate in the same markets, but not in the same geography, right? We invest in companies that have a growth culture, that have a high proven experience in collaboration internally, 
um, you know, not, not all tied up in tight profit centres, but they actually focus on collaboration. And we invest in firms that have a culture and a set of values that are akin to each other. And I think we've done an amazing job at doing that to date. And then the last thing we do is that we encourage all firms that join us is to roll over equity, some of the purchase price that we say, into Trillin, so everyone is incentivised to grow the family. So this is our brag chart. This is what we've achieved in a short period of time. So I effect effectively left AECOM on the 1st of August. Last year, we named Trillin as a company in December. And since that time, we've announced seven new partnerships into the group. We have three more to announce in the next couple of months. In combined, that takes us from effectively two staff. And I want to acknowledge Johnny Heller. Where are you, Johnny? You stand up for a moment. So Johnny, Johnny's employee number two in Trillin, and he's what I would call my recruiter of companies. So if you haven't, I don't know how you've received an email or a phone call from Johnny, but uh, if you haven't, I'm disappointed. Um, but he, we've spoken to something like 300 companies. We've signed NDAs with 62, and then of that, we've only invited 10 into the family, and we've done that deliberately. We've been very selective of who comes into the company. Even though we look like we're growing at a very rapid, rapid rate, we've been very selective about who comes into the group of companies. So that hopefully tells you a little bit about how we've been going about building Trillon as a group and how private equity turbocharges that growth. I look forward to when our platform partners can be hot firm award winners and in that top five themselves for all of Trillon. But I think what's important today is that you, we flip the table and we flipped the table here by getting someone who's one of the partners that joined us who went through that process. And that partner is DRMP. So we're looking forward to welcome here today is Larry Smith. He's a CEO of DRMP. You can see from the chart here, they joined us in May. And already, as Larry will tell you, they're on track to be double the size of the firm they were in May now. Right, we're on track to do that today. So I think it's important you get a chance to hear from your side of the table, which is what Larry was just a few months ago, about where his mindset was about considering private equity as a growth partner. Thanks, Larry. Uh, Mick, I want to thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to present today, and also I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of the Trillin family. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the ways to remember how to pronounce Trillin is it rhymes with chillin'. Um, Mick told me that months ago, and I, I remembered, and it works very well. Well, my name is uh, Larry Smith. I'm the uh, current president and CEO of DRMP, um, and also I'm the CEO of the, trans the Trillon Transportation uh, Platform, which is right now the fastest and the largest of the Trillon Cornerstones. I had to put that plug in now because by the end of the year we won't be because the water platform is going gonna, is gonna to take over. Um, a little bit about DRMP. We were founded in 1977. We are 45 years old. I've been with the company for 35 of those 45 years. We currently have 530 employees in 19 offices, Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina. Um, we have employees in Virginia, but we do not have an office. Um, the transportation group currently has 915 individuals. 
Uh, DRMP is on track for $73 million worth of revenue this year, and the transportation platform is on track for $140 million. Um, a lot has happened in a short amount of time. Um, DRMP has always had a growth plan. Um, we've also, uh, our goals are growth, shared success, and resilience. Um, our, our growth has always been part of this company. In, in, in 2000, we had about 200 employees. Um, and then 2008, we had 500 employees. And then 2010, we had 240 employees. Um, the recession had a major impact to our business and to our, um, our industry. Um, we grew very slow and cautiously after that because when you lay off half your workforce, it's not something you enjoy doing or ever want to do again. So we grew slowly, and then around uh, 2022, we had 530 employees uh, to where we are now. Um, our slogan in, 20, in, in 2000 was we wanted 2,020 employees in, in 2020. Well, we didn't quite make that, but we are definitely on track to be able to do that now. Um, as I mentioned, the Great Recession had a major impact to uh, our growth plan. We did have two acquisitions, M&A acquisitions, in 2005, um, and they didn't go very well. I mean, quite frankly, they were disasters. Um, the timing was bad, uh, but we didn't really do our due diligence. So in 2021, we had our, our next acquisition of a small firm in Brevard County, Florida, and uh, so far it's been very successful. We applied some of our lessons learned and uh, realized there was a right way to do this. Um, we are a people-first firm also, uh, share success. Um, the more profitable and more successful we are, I like to share with our staff. I think all of us are that way. We're, people, we're a people industry, and I think that's very important. Um, also, during the, re the recession, we, um, we adopted the, uh, the term resilient or resiliency, and um, we carried that through the recession, and we kind of continued on and then it worked really fitting through the pandemic when so many of us were trying to figure out how to keep the doors open of our businesses or would we have work when the pandemic was over. Um, three of the major reasons that uh, we did want to um, partner with Alpine and the Trillon Group are the, uh, our ambitious growth plan, our, our funding limitations, and our succession plan. Um, like Mick had mentioned earlier, um, a succession plan internally needs to be thought about uh, very soon. Um, our ambitious growth plan, like I said, we've always had one, and, and some of the statistics show that the faster-growing firms can, can actually retain employees longer. Um, we have more opportunity to do things. So we've always had that, that option uh, moving forward for us. Now, obviously, acquiring a firm two or three years before a major recession is not a very good idea. So timing does play into it somewhat. Um, now, with our partnership with the, uh, the Trillin group, we do have guidance from experts, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, there's funding limitations, no matter how you want to grow. Uh, it takes a lot of capital for M&A growth and for organic growth. Um, and always the question, how do you want to finance your growth? Is it through debt or through cash flow? Um, historically, our company has done it through cash flow, which can be somewhat painful. Um, as far as the succession plan, we've had many successful buyouts of major shareholders over the years, having been in business for 45 years. Um, we became really good at it, and when I became president three and a half years ago, that was the plan that we were going to do. Um, unfortunately, as the number of issued shares decreased and the value of the company increased, it became much, much more difficult. Um, we did have a program where we bonus stock to key employees. However, the bonusing of stock did not keep up with the repurchase shares from our retiring shareholders. 
um, became apparent that our, our old tradition, our old ways of doing things was just not going to work this time. So in, um, so in 2019, we hired a consultant to review our options, and they concluded we had basically three options. Continue with the legacy plan, the internal transition, which doesn't work. Um, you can sell, become a partner with another firm, or you do an ESOP. Basically, the three options. Um, so the internal transition, like I had mentioned, uh, has been very successful over the years. We have strong leadership. We have second and third tier leaders. Many of them have prom been promoted within the past year or so, but the leadership was never an issue with our corporation. We were so fortunate because of that. Um, but we did have limited capital. We'll be retiring five principals within the last six or seven years. It takes a lot of capital to do that. It creates a lot of debt and that debt cannot be used, and the, and the lost capital cannot be used to help grow your firm. Um, another thing, between 2015 and 2021, our share value increased by a value of 5.7. Great for the shareholders, not so great for a transition plan. Um, selling in 2019 or becoming a partner was just absolutely not an option. We, uh, we had a legacy, we wanted to continue, so we went on to, uh, to look at an ESOP. Uh, well, the last four or five years, we had a partial ESOP, and we, we bought it out. Um, our treasurer, for whatever reason, CFO cannot stand the ESOP. Even though ESOPs worked for our company for many, many years and worked for many companies very well, it was not something we were really crazy about. However, during our due diligence process, after we had signed the LOI, we realized that we needed to look at all of our options, and we needed to go back and, and reinvestigate an ESOP. So we did go back. We hired a uh, consultant who did a, a walkthrough, walked us through the ESOP process. And, and the rules and the, and the laws had changed considerably. Our old ESOP was, was not very good, and the new ones were much better, a little bit more easy to manage. Um, and we got a new evaluation. So the big, big issue with us was going to be a, a long-term debt. Um, and we didn't really want to, to put that debt on the new coming leaders into the corporation. Felt like it would de decrease in our technology and our growth capabilities. Um, additional debt we also felt like would impact our company culture. Less bonuses, less, less, um, less benefits for our employees. So again, we concluded that an ESOP really was just not an option for us. So having no idea what we were going to do, uh, myself and our CFO met with our corporate attorney in early 2021. Um, he basically walked us through the private equity process. Um, explaining what, what we needed to do, and he gave us recommendations on an M&A advisor. Um, we went back to our leadership team, and leadership team decided let's go ahead and, and get in touch with the M&A advisor and let them, let them work with us, uh, is what we did. Um, he, he did something a little different than what normal um, M&A advisors would do. He decided to shortlist a group of really good uh, private equity firms in the United States because of his experience. Um, fortunately for us, he and the, uh, our attorney and our MA advisor worked together on a deal with Alpine several years before that worked out very good, and they had nothing but great things to say about Alpine. So we already had our first private equity firm that we knew we were going to talk to. Um, so we interviewed, had, uh, so, you know, COVID was still going on somewhat, so we had uh, uh, a lot of video calls. Uh, in-person meetings, one of the things that I really liked about Alpine and Trillin is they like to meet in person. We got to know them uh, really early on in the process. Well, part of this, the whole process of, of deciding to go possibly with a private equity, we had basically six 
non-negotiable requirements. Now, these are not in any order. They all have equal value. Um, number one, we didn't want to change our name, we didn't want to change our culture, and we did not want to be incorporated into a larger firm. Uh, we had key staff that had been with us for a very long time, very loyal staff, such as HR, accounting, marketing, and IS. They had to remain in their positions. And uh, since partnering with Truel, I can, I can say not only are they still there, their staffs have grown, and they have additional responsibility moving forward because of the, the growth of the transportation platform. Um, we also want to maximize our share value. Um, if we did go with a private equity, we, did, we didn't want to be recapitalized any sooner than a seven to 10 year period. Um, the other thing Mick did mention is Truland has a plan for the firms that come on board. There's a place for us in this family of firms. So we knew our role coming in. There has been no surprises, maybe other than the, the, the rate we're growing. It's a little staggering at times, but it's been very exciting. We also didn't want to change, we, change or we want to make sure the, the firm that we partnered with had very similar culture. Uh, so a week before Christmas, 2021, we signed an LOI with Alpine. And I got to tell you, then the fun really began. Um, the due diligence was really intense, had a few speed bumps along the way, which I'm sure is expected. Um, but quite frankly, we wanted to have a really tough due diligence. We wanted to make sure the firms that joined Trillin were the best, and they are. So where are we today? Um, like I mentioned, the uh, transportation platform is about, uh, will have about $140 million in revenue this year and 950 in staff. And you can see the breakdown of all the firms. All the firms are represented in a transportation coordination group. We all work together to try to figure out the best ways, best practices to grow our industry. The team leaders are all meeting. Um, it's been really, really exciting. Uh, I've enjoyed every, every bit of this. Um, now, our vision for growth on Trillions is really the same top 10 transportation consulting firm in North America. I think that's achievable. A lot of our investment is in technology and innovation. Um, a lot of that's going to be our future with the, uh, the staffing issues we have. We're going to have to look at bigger and better ways to get our work done, maybe with less people. We have a diverse expertise, as you can see through the services here. We want to be the preferred partner for our clients and for our employees. Um, some of the services we have here or planning, active transportation, traffic engineering, traffic studies. We do structures, civil engineering, drainage, environmental, CEI, uh, survey, and geospatial. Um, part of the family the firms, we also have architect, not architectural, landscape architecture, and ge geotechnical. So we really round out almost everything that's necessary to make a successful firm. Um, you know, why Alpine and, and Trillon? Um, well, first, since both of our advisors recommended that we speak with them, we thought that would be a, a great option, so it worked out very well. Um, Al, uh, Trillon did not pressure us in any way through the, through the meetings. We had probably three or four meetings where we just got to know each other. Didn't talk about financials, didn't talk about staffing, didn't talk about anything, I think which was very important. Um, we also invited the Trillon team. At the time, there was only three. Uh, Johnny was two. Michael Converse had joined them by then we invited them to our annual VP gathering, which gave us a great opportunity to get to know them better and to let our senior staff get to know the key people that we were dealing with at Trillin. So it worked out very well. Um, quite frankly, all of our leadership felt very comfortable moving on in the direction is because of Mick Renshaw. Um, he's a proven successful leader. He had the same vision, he has the same values that we had. Made it very easy for us to make a decision to move forward. 
Um, the one thing I do like is we're following a well-developed business plan. We all know where we are as part of this partnership. Um, Trillon's goals, best, work, best place to work, that aligns with DRMP's shared success goal. Top 20 pure design firm aligns with our growth goal. They want to be the Zweig hot firm top 500 in the USA. DRMP was the top 471 uh, this year, which aligns with our growth and resilience goal. And Chad, I'd like to thank you for that special presentation we had uh, last night for our 75th uh, number one, our hot firm of the year. Um, we are still DRMP, and we're not going to be changing, changing that. Um, we still have a board. We still have executive committees. Um, matter of fact, the majority of the chain, uh, majority of staff really doesn't even know that there has been a change. It's only been the senior management folks that have been involved in some of the new growth opportunities. Um, currently, we have seven successful firms that make up the Trillin family. Uh, we are collaborating on best practices across both our production and administrative groups. It's really nice to have seven firms that our HR directors can get together, talk about best practices, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Same way with our production staff. Um, we don't compete. We don't take each other's staff. We will share staff, and we've talked about letting people transfer from one firm to the other if it's what's best for the employee. Um, so some positive takeaways with all of this. Uh, no name change. Same culture, we're still the same firm. We're not being told how to run our business, but we do have talented resources to help us. I think in one of the presentations yesterday, it was a comment that maybe 90% of us have never taken a business class. Um, well, being an engineer, I really don't have a lot of business experience other than what I've learned on the job. So having these experts that are business majors give us some guidance and direction has been invaluable. Um, working with the other firms, sharing work and resources has been very rewarding. We all have a place in the family. We all know what our roles are ahead of time, which is very nice. And uh, I've had the honor of meeting with the uh, platform presidents and the Trillon executive team on a monthly basis. We're rotating between different offices throughout the country. And uh, so it gives us an opportunity to see uh, the other presidents operate in, in the offices they work in and get to meet some really fine individuals um, throughout this country. One of the other things is we're combining our efforts for recruiting for all firms, which is a positive. Um, we're always looking at ways to improve operations and reduce expenses, which is very nice when you can use a higher number. We have 5,000 employees. I think we can maybe get a better insurance package for our employees. Um, they do have support with M&A, been very helpful. Um, they have a dedicated M&A staff. And Trillin will remain small. They're here to help us grow, so we're not going to have a huge overhead. Well, in conclusion, um, I'd like to say, first off, we're pleased with the partnership, the leadership, promises made, and the new opportunities for advancement and growth. Um, DRMP believes we've made a great um, decision to move forward with Trillin, and we think it's going to provide a great return for us. And, you know, if you were to ask me again if I wanted to do this, the answer would be yes, but without the due diligence process. Um, with that, here are some of our quotes from some of our senior people. Uh, with that, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, 
please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.